0: You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast from MakeUseOf.com. If you're a technophobe, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and I'm joined this week by Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin?
1: I'm doing very well, Christian. Yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into this week's uh, roundup. Tips, tricks, recommendations, everything
0: else. You've, you've done the next minute of chat for me. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> 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 we should do that more often. Um, so, yeah, uh, as Gavin says, that's what we've got in store for you today. And it's a very security and privacy-heavy show as well. So if those are things that concern you or anyone that you know that you could share this with, then uh, obviously do so. Uh, the things that we discuss, more or less everything, you'll find links to in the show notes. We're going to kick off with news. <laughs> uh, Barnsley's Dolly Parton impersonator was banned from Facebook. Well, Facebook obviously has a uh, very um, a, a good focus on uh, ch- shutting down those kind of... Uh, clone fake spoof accounts, but of course a Dolly Parton tribute act is, while it's an impersonation, it's obviously a legitimate thing, because she's an entertainer, Uh, her real name was Adele Adley Foster, and uh, it stopped her from being able to take bookings, because as with many um, small businesses in particular, uh, they operate through Facebook, and rather than having a website, they rely on a Facebook page. So, um, you know, Dolly Parton's a massive star, and uh, this lady's been uh, performing a Dolly Parton tribute act for nine years. She lost the account without explanation, and then they reversed the ban without explanation as well. It's a funny thing, isn't it, Facebook? And this, how we've um, a lot of people. I, th- I think we've maybe a slight winding back from that now, but there was a period where, for many people, Facebook was the internet, wasn't there?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I'm sure you'll recall, Christian, the uh, Facebook internet project that was rolled out, uh, I believe, in India and um, various of the South East Asian com- uh, countries, where Facebook presented a version of the internet that was just Facebook with add-ons. And for a long while, people uh, in those countries believed uh, that that's exactly what it was. But that sort of detracts from the fact that for many, Facebook, love it or hate it, is a portal for all sorts of things. It is a community tool for many people. And despite its well-known and well-documented privacy issues, uh, it remains a vital tool for a lot of people.
0: So I, I suppose the takeaway from this is um, if you have a tribute act, beware Facebook might take your page away from you for some time. Um, on the matter of uh, the lady herself, Dolly Parton has said that she loves tribute acts as they give her more publicity. She's always been a very balanced and uh, insightful lady, Dolly Parton, with very good business sense. How, how could it not give more publicity to the act that it's paying tribute to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Other acts as well, surely. As long as it's a good act, I guess. <laughs> Not oh, the songs being well. absolutely butchered and then posted online and presented as, look, this is what it shouldn't be like.
0: <laughs> I think a few months ago I mentioned that I'd seen a Freddie Mercury tribute act and it was, let's say, unmentionable, so we'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> WorldCoin, uh, which is a crypto coin that we've mentioned previously, has been suspended in Kenya as thousands of Kenyans queue for free money. This is one where um, you get your eyeballs scanned, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so WorldCoin is the sort of latest project of um, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, of um, ChatGPT fame. So if you've used ChatGPT, that's the company that runs it. Uh, This is his latest product. Um, It's called WildCoin. They currently (laughs) scan your retinas and take a biometric print. uh, And it appears they give you roughly fifty dollars maybe or fifty bucks. Um, So it's been launched in many countries around the world, uh, several countries in Africa. It's caused massive amounts of queues for people queuing to to get hold of this free money, obviously. Uh, And the Kenyan government has quite rightly said, you should probably be careful about who you give your biometric data to. Mm. To which a lot of Kenyans have quite predictably said, I don't care (laughs) in any way. Um, I'd rather have the $50 because, you know, I want to eat, I want to pay my bills, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, in situations like that, for the government, like I said, to quite rightly say this is a privacy issue, it's never going to be top of the issue list for, for people in that situation.
0: I, mean, I don't know too much about kenyan infrastructure i imagine it's largely centered around um, cities and major population centers in terms of internet access and mm. uh, data storage and those are probably the people that are turning up for this because obviously there's no point having cryptocurrency if you don't have anything to store it on etc it does it, it i am su- surprised actually that Kenyan government um, stepped in there. To be honest, there are, uh, there are less intrusive options here, aren't there really? But...
1: Yeah, definitely. I think part of the issue as well um, is that with anything biometric, it's all very well and good using it as a security protocol. or But once it is breached, and if it is breached, it's not like a password or passcode or anything like that. There's no way to revoke it. You can't change your fingerprint, you can't change your irises. So, if that gets out there, then you're done for, and people can actually impersonate you even more than they could with a bank account and a password.
0: And I, I suppose it's kind of a sobering episode of the really useful podcast this week because we are focusing, as I said, on um, privacy and security. It's very important to leave your PC locked. When you're away from it, even if you just turn in away from it to chat to someone for a few minutes, it's uh, it's worth uh, it's worth locking it. And if you don't know how to lock it, incidentally, if you're using Windows, you just press the uh, hold the Windows button and press L, and that will lock. It also w- works on most Linux distros, although not all of them. I see we have a very good guide here on how to tell if someone was snooping on your PC. There's uh, four methods here provided by our colleague Philip Bates, and this is what happens basically if um, you didn't lock your computer. So uh, For instance, you can see what files were opened on your computer. Um, You can do that in um, File Explorer and and just see what's been opened under the Recent heading. Um, You can check for recently modified files as well. Again, in File Explorer, simply search um, your recent documents and then sort them by the date modified. There's also the option to... Check your browser history to find out if someone's used your computer and used the internet. And if they've forgotten to remove um, what they looked at, you'll be able to see it in the browsing history. And you can also access Windows 10 and Windows 11 logon events. Um, that's in the Windows lo- uh, in the event viewer, which isn't easy to get to. Um, but basically, you can uh, type in event viewer and then uh, go to the Windows log and security, which give you a long list. Um, it's, it's in most cases kind of difficult to read and understand but if you um search for something called 4624 and um, that is a logon, on uh, a special log on and uh indicates um that someone has uh, logged onto your computer now, if you match that up with times when you've used it obviously you will uh, not um you'll be able to see when it's been accessed of course um the um While the home versions of Windows 10 and Windows 11 audit logons by default, the um, pro versions don't. You need to activate that. Um, The exact steps for that you'll find in the show notes. Do you have anything to add? Do you have any special ways to see if anyone's used your PC? Um, I I know a guy who used to uh, dust, well, (laughs) we thought he was dusting his keyboard with uh, flour. We actually turned out to be dandruff.
1: Oh, <laughs> no. well, for a long time, uh, yeah, for for a
0: while, it turned into like a two handed joke of, uh, oh, he, that's how he tells this one's his keyboard.
1: Oh gosh, I thought you were gonna say something like he was just eating too many powdered donuts or something.
0: <laughs> he might have been. We may we might have made it a bit worse than it
1: really <laughs> was. Um. I guess it depends where you are as as well. So, for example, if I'm in a coffee shop and I need to nip to the bathroom or whatever, I always lock it, put the screen down as well.
0: Do you um, know? I never leave my laptop when I'm in a coffee shop. I oh, will don't... hold it until I have to go, then pack okay. everything up, go to the toilet on the way out.
1: That's that's a good idea. I think it's normally in ones that I uh, a trustworthy, you know, that I go to all the time. If it was one that um. I'd never been to before I probably wouldn't be so uh so carefree. Mm. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I guess there's nothing wrong with leaving something perhaps nearby the keyboard or uh say on your chair or something. What about the uh, like leaving a hair strategically <laughs> draped across the uh, keys that's been moved?
0: Do you know what? I used to buy uh, I used to be obsessed with the idea of being a spy when I was like 8 or 9. Uh-huh. And I had this collection of books by um, Usborne Books, which is a big publisher in the UK, and they were all along the lines of how to be a spy. And um, w- w- one of the things was um, see if I think I think it's in a, one of the Bond movies. Anyway, um, yeah, put, put a hair across um, the bottom of your cupboard door to see if anyone's been in your cupboards by, yeah, yeah. by licking it and then sticking it on with saliva. But what it doesn't tell you is that the hair doesn't always snap. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes it just dries at one end and is no longer <laughs> adhered to the other side. So, uh, yeah. But hair's a good idea. Yeah, hair's a good idea. Um, <laughs> of course, another way of um, seeing is um, maybe, you know, someone's sat at your desk, used your computer, searched, your Google, um, searched on Google, and that will be um, transferred then into your Google history, which you can easily access and if you need to, delete. Isn't that right, Gavin? That is correct, Christian, yes, so
1: um, accessing your Google history uh, and the types of activity it stores is really easy these days. Um, you can do it by going to the My Activity page of your Google account, uh, I was going to read out the address for that but that seems a fairly silly activity to do, it's <laughs> myactivity.google.com my activity if you pop that into your address bar uh, it will take you directly to your google activity where you'll be able to see basically everything that happens on your google account which includes your google search history uh youtube history your map history your location history and if you use um an android device it will also have your device access and the usage history for that as well so it all combines it into One big list. Um, Wow! Yeah, which is quite handy, as you as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, From there, you can delete basically everything you want, uh, and you can also turn off your Google history permanently. Now, that you should note, doesn't actually stop Google um, like using your search information. It's not like an instant block to stop Google tracking you around. It will still know what you're doing basically, but you mm-hmm. just won't have a history of it anymore. So that's an important thing to know. Another few important things to note are that once it's gone, it can't come back. If you delete it, there's no way of recovering it. Um, if you delete it, newer activity may still be recorded depending on your settings. Um, and. If you're not logged in some Google apps may still track your activity regardless is why I was previously referencing. Uh, Deleting it is quite simply simple though once you're on the my activity page you head to the Google account management page uh, select data and privacy from the list you will see on the left um, and then you can begin clicking on items. Um, You can delete one activity at a time which is Uh, Somewhat painstaking, but very useful if there's something you have maybe searched for and don't want it to reappear ever again Um, Or something maybe someone else has searched for on your computer and you don't want that to appear in your Suggested searches or what have you. You can also delete all of your activities with a specific time frame. So for example, if someone was using your computer for a week whilst you're away or something and you just want to remove all of their history or Your friend borrows your computer, you know, that sort of scenario. Um, uh, You can also use that same tool to delete absolutely everything. Now, the other one that you want to consider is uh, auto deleting activity, which is uh, as it sounds, it automatically stops any uh, information being tracked to your Google account. Um, Mm -hmm. I said before, it doesn't stop Google tracking it, but uh, it does mean that it doesn't show up in your Google history anymore. So you can uh, select the auto delete option, um, scroll down, select auto delete, um, and it will automatically delete all activity uh, up to 36 months old. Uh, and then it will also stop recording activity from that moment as well. So, so that's a good combo. Um, deleting your Google activity, I think, is quite useful in certain scenarios uh i know a few times though where i've been really grateful that i haven't yeah where i've had that sort of ah what was i thinking of or oh i know i typed that search in but i can't find it again or or for youtube as well like oh what's that video i really wanted to go and find it um if it wasn't there then you wouldn't be able to find it again but have you ever deleted yours christian
0: I may have done a long time ago when it first became accessible to uh, review and delete, but I have found, like you, that it's really useful to uh, to maintain um, for for that exact reason. Uh, things that you've forgotten that you looked at, or, or you, quite often, it's difficult to remember exactly which device you were searching on. Um, so yes. having having the advantage of having it centrally stored. As opposed to having to remember which browser on which phone laptop whatever um it's really useful i found yeah
1: that's uh, that's another really good point actually um is the using it on different devices the amount of times i've had um kids or other family members say ah, i've lost this bit of information or this tab and then i can just pull it up and be like no no here it is don't worry
0: <laughs> yeah yes it's very useful indeed um And as long as it remains locked to, um, you know, as as long as your account remains secure, uh, no one's going to be able to uh, access it. And, of course, these days you can use uh, 2 factor authentication on your Google account to uh, keep it uh, doubly secure, Um, which is good because there's so much held by a Google account, not least an email account. And there's various ways that uh, emails can be used by scammers as an an attack uh, vector on you yourself. Your email address can be exploited by scammers. Um, we've collated a list of six ways this can happen. I'm going to go through them now. This was uh, compiled by Simon Bat, at Um First of all, scammers can impersonate you using your email account. They can crack the passwords on your other accounts via your email account. They can use it to crack email-based two-factor authentication using your email account. Now, this is um, something I've started doing recently, actually. is um, And this isn't directly associated with this, but um, I've started deleting two-factor authentication emails. As soon as, as soon as I've used them, I've deleted them, just in case my email account ends up being compromised by and a hacker accessing my email account and then they're able to um, maybe use in order to, uh, you know, reverse engineer it or do something else with it. Um, They can collect sensitive uh, information about you from your email account, uh, login information for banks, maybe your employer. Um, They can steal your identity quite literally. So much is associated with email accounts. Facebook accounts, banking accounts as I said, um, other um, financial accounts, perhaps even medical records. Um, and access to uh, healthcare, insurances. Those all sit around an email account. Uh, It's a child's play to steal someone's identity based on that. Then you've got things like, I don't know, um, I've already already mentioned Facebook, Uh, things like Ancestry.com. They can find out information about your family as well. It's not good. And then uh, they can learn when you're out as well. That's useful. Find out when you're not at home by the method of uh, checking your emails to see when you're on holiday arrange a visit to your property, and ransack it. Uh, There's an awful lot that can go wrong if someone has access to your email account, uh, which is why you should have a secure password and use two-factor authentication. Anything to add, Gavin?
1: I guess it would be only that you should maybe consider a way of backing up your emails, in this case. Move those emails into a secure offline uh, storage facility. Yeah. you can access them then.
0: Operate an Inbox Zero policy and uh, save yes. everything that you need elsewhere. Yeah. Do you know what? I have got gigabytes and gigabytes of archived emails. Have you? Oh, God, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a uh, data hoarder, unfortunately. These go back like 20 plus years, these emails. Oh, wow,
1: that's
0: that's quite impressive. <laughs> that's one way of putting it, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one word I wouldn't use. It's not so much a problem these days because cause of IMAP um, and remote storage of emails, but, you know, like 20 years ago, using IMAP or um, Exchange was quite difficult or expensive even, so everything was pop three, which um, you really needed to, you had to download your emails, and there'd be some interesting exchanges that maybe you didn't want to lose these days um i think less exchangey stuff is done on email and it's more sort of things like slack isn't it workwise or um you know maybe whatsapp or facebook messenger with friends and family or, uh, whatever but so I, I think i'm less inclined to retain emails these days unless they're from very specific people like my like my accountant or um you know uh, confirmation emails or things like that but yeah, I'm a bit of a data hoarder, as a revelation for the really useful podcast yeah. this week.
1: <laughs> uh, the other, but, but are you a net zero inboxer as well? Can you? Uh, are, do you have no emails? Oh no, mate, no. No, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I think uh, I think my uh, my work email address that we share at makeusoft.com has uh, the inbox number has several zeros on the end at the moment.
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah me too because well actually i've actually um i mean this is a conversation for another time um using filters in gmail but i have um, recently applied a few filters into my um gmail uh make yourself email account and found that that's uh reduced a lot of this and just diverted stuff that wasn't meant for me really anyway to the correct people mm, um which yeah. has definitely eased the uh, pressure on that <laughs> It is recommendations time, that part of the show, in which we share something that we've enjoyed or experienced that uh, you might want to uh, pick up and uh, run with yourself. Uh, Do you want to go first this week?
1: Yeah, I can go first, Christian. Uh, This week, uh, I have mainly been getting back into Baldur's Gate 3. uh, If you haven't given it a whirl yet, I strongly suggest you do. Uh, I first picked up Baldur's Gate 3 actually back in 2020 when it first launched um, as an early access game. Uh, You can imagine back then um, it was pretty rough around the edges, but I was quite impressed with what it was back then. Um, the latest version of Baldur's Gate it was developed by uh, Larian Studios, who uh, you may know from Divinity uh, Divinity: Original Sin, uh, those sorts of games. So they've got really good uh, RPG gaming uh, history, they know what they're doing. Um, and those who have played those games will certainly find some familiarity with Baldur's Gate 3. The sort of the world building is fairly similar. The way they've designed a lot of the graphics feels very familiar but uh, welcoming nonetheless. And it's a really rich and vibrant world. And uh, they sort of seem to have addressed some of the issues that uh, certainly Divinity Original Sin 2 had, which was that the storyline was there, but you didn't necessarily care about it all that much like it didn't really grab you in and there was so much other stuff you could do that it sometimes took uh, a bit of a back foot uh, to to what you actually should be doing. Um, The only things I found so far with Baldur's Gate 3 uh, for those who don't know it's um, part of the Dungeons and Dragons world, Baldur's Gate is a big city set within this world and um, It's quite a faithful recreation of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, which has many positives uh, for those who really want to get into some role playing. Um, But at times it can be sort of too faithful to uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, so there's a lot of spells that you can learn that you probably don't ever need to use. and that can make building up certain characters feel, um, I would say, time-consuming. But definitely, like you can get lost in the fine details of what you're doing, rather than with some RPGs. You just, you know, you got a sword, you got a shield, you got a horse. You're about to go slay some monsters. Um, but you know, there's there's RPGs like that that exist for everyone. So. Um, Overall, I think it's a really, really good step forward for the Baldur's Gate series. We've not had a new Baldur's Gate for 15 years or, or more. Like Baldur's yeah. Gate 2 was was quite old now, isn't it? Um, and it's a really big step forward for the series. I think Larian have really done it justice. So uh, that's available on, on Steam, I believe. I can't remember what it costs because, like I said, I bought it way back when in early access. Uh, but it's it's really worth a look.
0: Cool. Okay. Um, my recommendation this week is a device I've been reviewing. This is the Ace Magic AM08 Pro. It's an AMD Ryzen 9 uh, model, and it is a... Well, I mean, it comes in bare-bone and uh, non-bare-bone versions. The version I'm reviewing has a, th- an, a ridiculous 32 gigabytes of RAM and a uh, 512 gigabyte... No, it's not 512 gigabytes. It is. It's either one or two terabytes wow. of uh, M2 they've given me, and the, it's got an open SSD port as well, so I can add to that should I need to. Um, it's a it's a mini gaming PC basically. It's absolutely teeny. <clears throat> as I mentioned, it's the Ryzen version, uh, so it has the uh, AMD Radeon 680M GPU. Has um, the the RAM is DDR5. It has USB 4, and it has support for three monitors, uh, 60 hertz, 4K. Um, now, um, to t- t- test this out, because I'm quite a busy chap, and um, sitting around playing on a gaming PC isn't particularly productive, so I've got... I wrote my son in to help me out here. <laughs> it, we've installed Steam. It comes with Windows 11 Pro. I'm not particularly impressed, but there you go. That's what's on it. And because it's a review device, I have not yet decided to... Um, you know, exercise windows uh, from it <laughs> uh, in favor of a Linux OS. But we have installed Steam client on there, hooked up with my Steam account. And um, Bruce has installed Red Dead Redemption 2. Now, yes, he is too young to play Red Dead Redemption 2, but he's already played it with uh, my supervision, so there's not really much is going to happen with him playing it on his own. Um, and you know the aim of this was is to um, he has the computer for a few days and he plays out plays a few games so it works absolutely perfectly. There's no graphical problems whatsoever. Cutscenes work fine. All the standard graphics are good. But I have noticed in the position, the area of the house we have it in, it does drop its network connection uh, quite regularly. Now, I don't know if that's a Wi Fi issue, if that is because Bruce is at one end of the house and the router's at the other end. He's a brand new router, mind. Um, it's difficult to say, or whether it's just a problem with the Wi Fi chip in this uh computer but obviously you wouldn't have that problem with ethernet i'm very impressed with this computer so far though despite windows 11
1: that's really cool so um having a really small unit like that as well i think people don't automatically think of it for a gaming unit do they for like a pc gaming unit? no
0: no absolutely not no and i think you know really with the um things are getting smaller aren't they um, Yeah, and we're at the point now where like a super powerful graphics card and like a full size desktop PC can be bigger than the motherboard. So it's you know obviously you can scale it down and have a compact unit like this. Now um these aren't cheap. This um th- the version I'm reviewing is listed as eight hundred and sixty nine dollars um although it currently has a discount according to the uh, website Acemagic.com. Um it also has Bluetooth, I should uh, mention. I mean, it basically has everything you'd expect from a modern PC, only it's a lot smaller. It, it's got some nice LEDs in the top, which apparently are programmable as well if you download some uh, extra firmware. So, uh, yeah, reasonably impressed with this. I am reviewing it. There will be a video review of this I'll make use of in due course. Uh, but I just wanted to uh, give it a mention now because I've been quietly impressed with it, I have to say.
1: It does sound really good. I think as well, comparative to the recent console generation, uh, PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox Series X, it sounds like a a pretty good alternative as well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's kind of partly my thinking. The the boy has been after having a console in his bedroom, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is smaller than a console. It plays almost all the same games. Yes, and it might be the better option, but uh, we'll see how we go with that anyway. Uh the three screen support is uh, kind of crazy. Two of those are via HDMI, the other ones via USB C. Um, but and, yeah, it's got a ton of ports on it as well. It's yeah, it's 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 like a complete PC. It, I mean, it's a PC. It's a, it's a game. It's a tiny gaming PC. It's it's amazing what it can actually do given the size, really. But uh, yeah, Very so that would good. be my that would be my recommendation, which uh, brings us to the close of the show this week. Um. As I said, everything we've discussed you'll find in the show notes and we'll be back for uh, another chat next week. Until then, it's goodbye from us.